Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we had delayed recording this a couple of hours today because we thought there was a chance that Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association would have come to an agreement on a start of the season. But we were wrong. We were very, very wrong. And here we are, uh, 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday, March 9th. And there is uh, no deal still, and uh, it doesn't appear like a deal is particularly close, even though there's only a couple of things that seem to be, you know, uh, major issues right now. It just seems like the owners and the players, to a certain degree, are really entrenched on what they want to, on what they're willing to sacrifice. And I understand that, like, in negotiations, you have to draw lines in the sand, but it seemed like today was going, if not well, if there was a lot of progress being made. And it's just very disheartening to be where we are almost 100 days into the lockout and feel like we are no closer to baseball than we were when this all started. So before we get into particulars, how are you generally feeling about baseball right now? Uh, it, it's a thing that exists in <laughs> theory. It is extra bizarre. Uh, and, and this is maybe comes off as a little bit off topic, but, you know, it's been over two years now since you and I were in Florida for a brief trip down to spring training. 
And uh, for obviously a wide variety of reasons, that feels like it happened uh, in a different timeline, on a different planet, you know, however you want to put it. Yes. So right now, like the only thing coming out of Port St. Lucie that has players in it is minor league stuff. And it's just very bizarre to, you know, kind of see everybody, uh, you know, doing that stuff. But from from afar, it just seems like going through the motions um, while there's nothing happening on the major league side of things. So it's just, you know, as long as that uh, feels like it's been mid-December when the Mets had, you know, wrapped up uh, the pre-lockout portion of the offseason and, you know, really did quite a bit, that feels almost as long ago. Um, so it's just weird. We've talked about it a little internally, um, you know, in Slack. And I know there are some folks who write for the site who think it doesn't feel that different, or at least a month or two ago, it didn't feel that different from a a normal January, February, uh, where there's not Mm -hmm. a ton going on in the baseball world. But uh, I would maintain that all along, it's just felt bizarre. Um, very quickly changed from just this frenzy of an off season. Um, you know, there's really like the, the the look, the Mets traded for Francisco Lindor last winter. So right. you know, things changed, but it felt like, okay, we're getting an indication of what Steve Cohen's ownership is going to look like in terms of spending money. Um, and then they go and get a few good position players and then the other, you know, if not the other best, uh, certainly one of the other top five pitchers in baseball right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, and that just feels like it was so long ago. Uh, so, yeah, it it doesn't feel like the Mets are totally imaginary, but <laughs> but they're starting to feel more like a concept than a, you know, than an active baseball team. You know, I, I feel a little bit silly for being as optimistic as I was when the lockout started. I had said that 2020 was a fresh enough wound that we weren't going to see people jumping. We weren't going to see people putting another shortened season on the table. They, they, they would threaten that. But when it actually came to doing that, that nobody would really do that because the lessons of 2020 were so still fresh in our minds. This isn't even, you don't even have to think back to the strike of 94. You have to just think back to how weird it was. I mean, we were watching old Mets games on the internet together in the spring of 2020. And because there was no other baseball and we were, we were desperate for baseball and, and baseball was desperate for baseball. There was, there was this real sense of urgency that we can't wait to get back to you know what it is that we do so well and it just seemed like everybody had an understanding of this being a shitty situation that we all were going to get through together and then on the other side of this there was going to be baseball and everybody was going to be happy about that and that is like the polar opposite of what the of what it feels like right now it feels right now like everybody and I'm not placing blame on the players here. This is gonna sound like I'm being nasty, like I'm being, uh, you know, down on the players. But it seems like everybody that isn't in the union or an owner 
feels like there's a solution here. And for whatever reason, the people at the negotiating table do not feel that there is a solution here. Um, now, I still think that the the owners are in the catbird seat here, uh, partly because they could end the lockout tomorrow. This is not a strike. This is a lockout. And so if the lockout ended tomorrow, they could continue with the CBA from last year and just, you know, say, or, or work without a CBA for a few weeks until this all is straightened out. Like there's there's lots of things that could be done. And I know those things are complicated. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's just as simple as switching, as flipping a switch and it's fine. But the lockout is ownership initiated and that is why there's not baseball happening right now and uh it's just maddening that here we are it's maddening that this is the this is the situation that we're in that we can't seem to find a way around this that we can't seem to be able to put the best foot forward for whatever reason it's just and I get the reasons. I, again, I'm not trying to make light of the of the labor dispute here. I think the players have the right and should absolutely be bargaining for everything that they feel they need. But yeah. they're so close right now. <laughs> and I know this is just like the nature of, of labor disputes. I, I saw somebody recently say that we should never cover labor disputes like we cover sports in the sense that there are people who are winning or losing them. And I've been really trying to think about that as I've been talking about all of this, right? That I don't want to think about this like it's a, um, like it's simply a, a horse race. And so I, I don't think either side is winning or losing right now, but I think that the, the court of public opinion is about to turn on both of these groups even more than it already has. Um, and so my question for you, Chris, is do you think that we are getting to a point where the sport itself is going to be hurt beyond like this season? For like, Is this a problem right now that will extend past the playoffs this year? Or by that time, will we all have forgotten the lockout and things are hunky-dory again? Yeah, I think if there is a lengthy season – and you know playoffs happen the world series happens um i think everybody will have moved on it's so hard from where we all sit because our baseball uh consumption is shared with people who are all you know pretty avid fans Uh, you know there's some variations in how people approach a normal regular season but all of us uh, not just an amazing avenue, but uh, you know everybody on Mets Twitter and everything else. We're all uh, pretty tuned in, you know. So yeah, uh, for the casual fan or um, you know, somebody who maybe I don't know, borderline interested in the sport or anything, um, hard to really get a sense of that from you know talking only to people who who really, really care about it. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think whatever negative effects, uh, you know, there were among fans in 94 certainly had, I think mostly to do with 
no World Series that year. You know, that that is just such a, you know, such a significant thing to not have, <laughs> especially when you've had most of the season. Um, yes. You know, I mean, they, they played into what, August that year? July um, or August. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure when the strike happened. Yeah. I mean, I know it was fortuitous for uh, one of my favorite non-Mets of all time, Jeff Bagwell, because he had had a hell of a year and uh, got hit on the hand and I think broke a bone in there uh, and would have missed out on the end of that season and, and wound up, uh, you know, winning MVP for it. So it, like, <laughs> that was the silver lining for very specifically Jeff Bagwell fans. Um, but to get that far into a season and then not finish the season and not, uh, you know, have a champion at the end of it. Um, I think that's much more significant than like, Oh, the season started in May or June. Um, you know, and, and the fact that we have a world series winner who came out of a 60 game season in our very recent memories, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, I'm sure it'd be debated no matter what. Uh, but I don't know if it's 100 games, if it's 120, 130, 40, whatever. You know, anything, anything in that range. I don't think people are going to get hung up on it too much or try to throw an asterisk on it if uh, if a team wins. I don't even feel like that's happening in retrospect with the Dodgers, and that no, wasn't that long ago. No, I I think you're right. Um. I expected far more people to be saying stuff like, you know, that last year's World Series was 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 a legitimate World Series where the one before wasn't, or a real World Series. I really haven't heard much of that, and and that's a good thing. I'm glad we haven't heard much of that, um, because I don't think that helps anything in any way to do that. I mean, it's fine. Like you know, I have a a couple of friends who are big Dodger fans, and I'll occasionally tease them about it. But that's me just being a jerk. I don't actually think that, right? Um, I think it's good for the game if we can just say that was a season that was bizarre and unlike anyone we've ever seen before, and therefore that championship is maybe you want to say different. I wouldn't even go that far, but you know, but but it's it's good to not delegitimize that that championship, in my opinion. Um, but I, I tend to agree with you. I, I guess the, the the place where I am worried about the fans of baseball is when the COVID shortened season happened, there wasn't anything else that was clearly poised to take baseball's spot. Like, there weren't other things happening that felt normal. Like, the whole world was was locked down and was scared and all of these other things. And so it wasn't like people who were used to watching baseball were going in and watching a different sport or, or whatever. And then would be, it would be hard to get them to come back to baseball. The difference here is that the entire world is back open. Now, every sport you could conceivably want to watch, you can watch. And, um, you know, it, it just seems to me like if somebody truly did not want, if somebody truly was put off by this, it would be easier than ever for them to find an excuse, for them to find something else to fill the the, the place of baseball right now. 
And so I'm a little bit afraid that people are just going to get out of the habit of watching. And by the time it comes back, they're going to have filled that baseball-shaped hole in their lives with something else. I mean, hell, you and I talk all the time about how you you have gotten way more into soccer in the last couple of years, not because of not because of the baseball, um, you know, situation, just because you've been getting more into it. But I'm sure that would that is making this time a little bit easier for you. Oh yeah, you you have another sport to watch. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and and uh, anyone who's known me. For a long time, uh, well, if they're a, a big fan of the podcast, they've heard it mentioned before. But if they're just tuning in now, like what him soccer? Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely helped in a, in a sense. And you know, I've uh, just sort of take it up, taken up an interest in it. Um, you know, it's on during the day. Uh, on the weekends, it's on in the morning, uh, you know, if you're watching European stuff, which has been the case for me. Um, and it's just sort of like this, okay, I'm taking a dive in and I'm, and I'm watching the sport generally. Uh, you know, I've kind of attached myself to Liverpool in terms of the Premier League, but, mm-hmm. you know, I've watched games that are, you know, out of the, the five leagues that are significant. Um, not to diminish any of the others in Europe, but... <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, the the five big ones that all have teams that I had at least heard of, you know, before I started watching any of it. Um, but it's definitely filling that sports void a little bit. Um, the Rangers have been a, a nice surprise for me in, in the NHL, obviously. Um, you know, they not that I thought they'd be terrible, but it, it's been a little bit of a, a climb back to, uh, you know, this level of competitiveness and. Uh, you know they they've been good, but they're always there. You know, um, the New York Giants have been a joke for way too long. Uh, yeah, so coming into the fall, I, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, the potential lack of baseball maybe factored into it. But it it certainly wasn't an active decision in September or October, whenever it was that I was like, oh, let me give this a, a shot. Uh, it, it wasn't. Oh, I'm going to be missing the Mets in the spring. You know, at right, the time, right. I, I didn't even know if I would like it. Um, you know, because over the years, I've, I don't know, sort of resisted a, <laughs> the push for it. And, and hey, in my defense, a lot of soccer fans, if if you aren't like on their level or express any uh, negative thoughts or criticism or critique, um, kind of jump down your throat and just try to tell you why it's still the best game there is. And, you know, it's better than everything else. And I don't know, it, it's not a, like a welcoming way to, to <laughs> like, right. approach the sport. So given some of that, uh, I just generally avoided it over the years. I think the last world cup, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to watch this. Um, and, and, you know, put that little bit of effort into, you know, see it and, and experience that because people always seem to have such a good time with it. But, you know, this now, now like I could have a much more informed conversation about it and all that. So yeah, all of that is to say it softens the blow for sure. Um, you know, especially with the, the, the one team that I'm, you know, pretty much a fan of at this point has been, <laughs> competitive and everything uh you you know going into it i was like i'm not i'm not looking to 
get in and then follow some team that's like constantly disappointing or uh, <laughs> you have enough you know, of like, that in your sports life right you know fighting for you know to avoid relegation uh you know and nothing like that you know there are some other interesting teams out there that are probably you know in the mix for those things but that's just not like nope if i'm going to do this like let's see you know what's out there with a, with something appealing somebody competitive um so yeah you know that that's that's where i'm at with that but it it definitely helps and uh it's just you know it's weird i mean if, for everybody who's been reading the site it you know we've we've run some other stuff but um there's just not that much baseball stuff to talk about. And we still feel weird, um, you know, during season previews and all that stuff, because right now there, there's no season to preview, you know, it's just, a, right. so it's, we appreciate you sticking around. You know, we see that you're still reading Mets morning news, uh, every day, but it's just this like depressing grind of just the same. Um, so it'll i'm looking forward to uh that you know just that like level of level of activity leading up to actual baseball games um you know i don't i don't miss spring training updates necessarily but chris don't you need to know who's in the best shape of their lives come on well yes that <laughs> that is true but uh but yeah no it's just it's just a weird void um, and and hopefully we get to fill it soon. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There are a couple of issues that, have, that seem to have be the, the real sticking points here. One of them is, are the different thresholds for the competitive balance tax. Um, it, w- w- What's very funny about that is there's essentially a Steve Cohen clause in that <laughs> where they want they want there to be a, a an extreme penalty for owners who basically don't give a shit about the penalties. Um, right. Which is just, you know, first of all, it's just so funny to think about where we are now as Mets fans, thinking that, you know, two and a half years ago, we had the Wilpons who would never come close to spending that kind of money. And now the Mets GM is basically, there's a, there's a, a clause calling for his head in the CBA. It's just very, very yeah. strange. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's nice to have a situation where, you know, these 
owners who want to cry poverty with their, uh, you know, so-called small market teams uh, are worried about the Mets owner spending money. That mm-hmm. you know, That's a nice, nice change of pace. I think one of the things that I'd seen was that Max Scherzer uh, kind of scoffed at that, you know, that extra tier, basically the, the Cohen and maybe the Dodgers tier. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't blame him. Uh, it, and as far as we've read, Steve Cohen is kind of like, well, whatever, you know, <laughs> I think he's going to be willing to spend, um, even if it means sharing some of his very large pile of money with some of his fellow very rich people. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know if our listeners saw this today, but Cohen had liked the tweet that said basically the owners are never going to accept anything from the players. The owners want the players to accept their offer. They that they want it to be they want it to look like it's their offer. And Cohen liked that tweet and people called him out on it. And he basically said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know how to retweet things. Which like from twenty nine owners in baseball you might believe. But from Steve Cohen, that, that that's some bullshit right there. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it, it's a relatively uh, small and and certainly innocent thing. But <laughs> I don't think anybody's buying that. No. Um, yeah, it, it seems like one step removed from like, no, I didn't. As you hear him click, on, exactly. Uh, yes, <laughs> unliking it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it it is. I have wondered throughout this. Because the owners have done a good job of being a unified front, as have the players. We have not heard many people saying, like, you know, this should be over by now. Or if they're saying that, they're saying that because of the other side. We have not heard anybody throw their own people under the bus. But I keep thinking throughout all of this how pissed Cohen has to be about this. Because last year he was operating as a brand new owner and couldn't really do too much for fear of pissing people off or whatever. And so this was supposed to be his like his first full, you know, his first full off season, his first full everything as Mets owner. And Cohen does not seem to me again, I I am not one of those folks calling him Uncle Steve and uh trying to say he's perfect or anything. But I think that Cohen probably of any of the owners that I have really read about or seen speak a lot, he seems to me the one that's maybe the most comfortable with the idea of paying players what they're worth. And so I don't, I mean, part of that is because he has more money than any than any other owner, right? But I, I just get the feeling that to him, it's like, well, we should just, you know, if the minimum salary is an issue, we should just pay them more because he can see partly because he just bought a team and he's a smart enough businessman that he's not going to buy a bad asset. So he knows how much money these teams make. And he's probably looking at it saying, why are we bickering about this little bit of money? Let's get this back on the road. But because he's part of this ownership group and can't, this is not like him not spending money. He really can't say anything against the owners or he will be in, you know, a really bad position. But I, I can't help but think he's probably one of the owners who is probably most frustrated by this whole situation. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's pretty fair to assume that that would be the case. Um, you know, he's still uh, relatively young in that class of, uh, you know, wealth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's he's got that going for him. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit, uh, I don't know, annoyed <laughs> that these issues are holding everything up. And, you know. Um, I think from our, our perspective as fans, the CBT is really the like the thing that we should care about the most in terms of the Mets being a successful major league team, right? Yes. Um, there's certainly moral and ethical questions related to the international draft and the, and the existing system of team signing players that we know can get very shady. Um, you know, that that is a <clears throat> an entire topic of its own. Obviously, there's the rule change parts of things that could factor in. Um, you know, as a fan, it would be nice to see players who are, you know, providing a lot of value to their teams in their first two, three, four years of their professional you know, major league life, um, get a little bit more in, in terms of the, you know, not just being stuck at the minimum or barely above it. Um, you know, the, all of those things are things that I think are, are worth caring about, um, as a fan, but specifically as a Mets fan who has been, you know, able to move on from, Winter after winter of what will the payroll be? Will it even crack a hundred million dollars in you know in New York City? <laughs> that that that's behind us. So to to be able to just look at it, I mean, it, and if, if the penalties are only money, I don't even really care what the thresholds are. You know that that's one part of it too. Um, it's. In the existing system, it takes quite a bit to lose draft picks anyway. But if that element were completely removed and it was just Steve Cohen's money had to, you know, go into the tax fund, um, then great. You know, like if Steve Cohen's going to spend 300 every year, no matter what, I don't really care if the threshold is 220 or 230 or 240. You know, <laughs> right, I understand yeah. what the players do. Um and I do think it's good to have it higher and encourage teams to spend money and compete. But, uh, but yeah, that that's the one thing that like for me is the, is the standout thing. Um, Yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. I think that there's an argument to be made that some of the stuff they're talking about would make, for worse baseball, you know, I, I think that my friends that are very specific, uh, sorry, very passionate rather about the DH will will say that specifically the DH will make National League Baseball better because you won't see pitchers striking out all the time or whatever the case may be. And there, there's an argument to be made for that. Um, but I would counter some of these other moves. Like to me, the banning of the shift, I know people are going to see less ground balls topped over to second base. But I don't know if banning the shift actually makes baseball better. I don't know if 
any of the the pitch clock. I, I think the pitch clock's a good rule change too. But you know, I, I just I think that all that stuff is very much a wait and see situation. You know, I thought I would hate seven inning double headers, and now I kind of don't mind a seven inning double header. No, I still hate. I, <laughs> that I hate those. Me. I, I hate the pitch clock. I hate the DH. <laughs> I don't hate the pitch clock necessarily. Um, but I, I, what is baseball without Steve Traxel or Daisuke Matsuzaka <laughs> on enough. like a hundred degree night in August, taking forty five seconds between pitches and just torturing us? Like I don't know. That's that's part of the game to me. Um, I understand the the streamlining and you know all that and uh, but I don't know I, I I feel like we're already nuts enough for committing to a sport that has 162 games per right. year. I mean, and I, more if the team plays well. So yes. I I don't know. That, I don't I don't think a pitch clock is going to save the game, but I think if we're talking about ways to just move the game along a little bit, I don't think it's the worst one personally um but that's just that's just me um so yeah um just make this make this work baseball let the players get a little bit more money let all this happen i'm right now i feel like there are a couple of milestones every every year that make me think of baseball many years ago i think it was 2008 2009 my dad and i were in spring training uh for saint patrick's day and so St. Patrick's Day, I always think about spring training. That's a thing that should be, you know, um, I should be watching baseball on St. Patrick's Day. And that's sort of the first day in the spring where I feel like, all right, it's time for me to watch a baseball game. And that's not going to happen this year. So that's going to be a weird one. Um, you know, I'm going to be in L.A. in a few weeks for a work trip. I was supposed to go to a Dodgers-Angels game the last weekend of spring training out there. That's not happening. That's going to sting a little bit. Uh, we're getting to the point where I think, it's going to it's going to be very noticeable that baseball is not a part of my life. Right now it's still pretty easy to ignore that fact, but once that becomes more of a regular part of my life, the the the, the missing baseball, that's when it's going to start hurting. And I think we're getting closer to that. So please please baseball give us what we want. Give us some baseball. We beg of you. Anything else to say about this, Chris? Um, no, I mean, I just, I look forward to it ending when, when, uh, we can start to talk a little bit more about, <laughs> about the Mets and what they, you know, what they have ahead and what they still need to do in the off season before a potential season starts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I just sort of forced myself to look at the, uh, like roster resource page for the Mets on fan graphs today. Um, Something that I would be doing probably on a daily basis if things were uh, normal, you know, mm-hmm. if the lockout had not been initiated. Um, so just to shake off some rust and look and remind myself of, you know, who's on this team and what they still need and all that. Um, you know, debating whether or not Tyler McGill is worthy of a starting rotation spot is more enjoyable than. <laughs> You know, stretching as much as we can to to cover like the length of a podcast episode talking about a, a, a sport that essentially doesn't exist right now until it decides that it does. 
Yeah. Yeah, well said. Well, let's get to something that never takes time off, no matter what, and that's music. Chris, what's your music pick for this week? So uh, this band is uh, brand new, is at least it is at least as far as like any of us are aware. You know, I, sometimes you like oh, debut album might mean just first album on a label that's significant enough for people to notice. Um, mm-hmm. And whatever whoever is handling getting this music in front of people who will like it has done an excellent job because uh, two other friends, when I mentioned them, um, had songs of theirs pop up in a similar fashion all within like the same week. And uh, whether it was Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, you know, the algorithms all knew that like this band was making music that we would like. Um, so they're from the UK. They're called Squid. Uh, the album's called Bright Green Field. And they're just, there's notes of, like one song has definite strong notes of Fugazi. Um, but that's definitely, that's not the only influence, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's a band that can just do a bunch of different things and sort of blend in uh, like the lead vocalist has a, a pretty great range of being able to sing uh, and then also scream and do both pretty well. Um, you know, there's horns that get into the mix. Uh, there's some, you know, sort of Nels Klein inspired uh, crazy guitar effects going on in parts of some songs, but it's just a, I don't know. It's a, it's a band that's catchy and, um, you know, did it just caught my attention right away. So, um, they're coming around, they're playing a couple of shows in New York city in, uh, in this, this month in just a few weeks. Um, hoping to catch one of those and, uh, yeah. Bright green field by squid, which surprisingly is not a band name that was uh, already taken. <laughs> it's always amazing to me when, when a band can figure that out, right? Like it's, uh, there have been thousands of bands, and I'm sure that every major city in America had a band named Squid in it at some point. But the fact that no Squid had ever recorded for a major labels, or, or at least a, a label big enough to show up like in a Google search, is pretty right. incredible. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, you're now the third person to recommend Squid to me in the last like ten days. So you're right. Whoever is in charge of getting their stuff out there is is doing a very very good job oh oh my favorite part before we move on to your recommendation i knew there was another note so apple music has these like they call it editor's notes or whatever and they go into stuff so i'm just going to read part of this about making their record uh and they're talking about a smell uh in the studio uh so there carrie whose whose studio it is that's the last name serve them the swiss melted cheese dish raclette Hence the stench and moves on to uh, describe the music a little bit more. But uh, as somebody who took a trip to Switzerland and had Rocklet and didn't really think that it stunk, uh, but really loved the concept of it and the taste of the food. I just appreciated that the like the little description here um, had that little extra that, that was like the icing on the cake for me. Like, oh, not only do I like all this music, 
but here's this relatively obscure reference to some food from from switzerland <laughs> and uh and they were eating it in the studio and and then worked it into like a funny story about you know the background of making the record so yeah there you go that's very cool so uh i'm gonna talk about a record that's not new uh, nor is it new to me but it's something that i have been uh really enjoying lately and i, I always love it when you can uh like rediscover something that you've loved and it, and it becomes even even more uh you know special to you whatever so it this is one of those records i have no idea how it came into my life i don't know if i heard someone play a song on the radio uh i don't even know what radio station that would be this is like pre spotify in my life i don't know if i read an article about it or what but um there's a band from New Jersey called the Bongos that were around in the early '80s, sort of contemporaries of like the Feelies and um, that era, like you know, of uh, sort of not quite. I, they it, it is certainly post-punk in that it happens after punk, but it is not necessarily post-punk as a musical genre. Um, but their lead singer is a guy named Richard Barone, and uh, he's originally from Florida, but uh, lived has lived in Greenwich Village for many many years now. And after the bongos sort of flamed out after one of their tours, he put together a new band, um, just playing under his name, and he was approached to do a live show at the the Bottom Line, the legendary club in Manhattan, and he decided to record this show. And so he wanted to make the show really special, and not just do another uh, sort of you know just a sort of run of the mill show. Uh, actually. Uh, <laughs> I interviewed him today for something I'm working on, and uh, he mentioned that when he was making this album, Mark Bolin from T-Rex came to him in a dream and said, are you going to make an album or are you going to just make a recording? And that like challenged him to do more. So anyway, the record is Barone on electric guitar and vocals. Uh, he has a, an acoustic guitar player who also sings backup vocals, a cellist playing the cello, obviously, and then a percussionist playing marimba, vibes, and timpani. And uh, the album's called Cool Blue Halo, and it's recorded totally live, and it's it's just an amazing performance. There's two songs by the Bongos on it, three covers, a T-Rex cover, a Beatles cover, and a Bowie cover, and then the rest are all new songs from Barone that I think some of them have gone back and been re-recorded in the studio, but this is sort of the definitive version of all of these. And I love the idea of a live album of new tracks. A couple of bands have done this in the in the past. Um, this was the original idea behind Let It Be, the Beatles album, was to do a live album of new songs. Um, but I think that this has some of the coolest sounding lead guitar, just like the tone of his guitar I love. And... Um, he he told me how he got it, and it's it's a bizarre. Like I'm not gonna get into the the tech stuff here for the people who don't give a shit, which is probably everybody besides maybe Chris. Um, but uh, he, <laughs> I appreciate he, that. He he did a really uh, interesting way to get the guitar tone, and he uses an ebo really cool, really well on it. Um, but the songs just sound amazing, and it sounds really timeless. And uh, it it's such a cool singular record. Um, and this year is its 35th anniversary. So everyone should check it out. It's by Richard Barone, and it's called Cool Blue Halo. And that is our music picks for this week. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Chris, before we say goodbye? Um, nope. Um, 
I guess the way PSG got eliminated from the Champions League was kind of crazy today. But that, that's a topic for another sport podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will be worried about all of this when you actually uh, start a soccer podcast. That's yeah. when I know I'm losing you. Yeah, no, no, no. I think at that point, um, <clears throat> uh, I don't know. I, th- <laughs> I think I think I'll hold off on that. I think uh, just <laughs> getting into it and, and enjoying it and uh, – you know, I, I can't go the full Jeffrey just yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although, although, does he have a podcast about Sheffield Wednesday? I know that's his team. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, feel like, I, I feel like this is where the former Amazing Avenue crew will co- will coalesce if baseball goes away for too long. Yeah. You, you'll all start doing some soccer stuff. <laughs> Certainly possible. Yeah. Um. Uh, by the way, I just saw something our friend Ted Berg tweeted that I feel like I should read on the air, which is uh, Rob Manfred is going to get booed at every baseball game he attends for the rest of his life, and he didn't even get to live in Gracie Mansion first. Nice. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's the Gary Bettman treatment. Although, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need to dissect Ted's joke, but... Uh, does Manfred even go to baseball games? Like, does he even like baseball? Like, I don't think. I, I don't know if he goes to games, but I can tell you he doesn't like baseball. Yeah, yeah. Then he, if he does go to games, they're not usually uh, like honoring his presence. No. no. But anyway, uh, in between your rage screams at Rob Manfred, go to amazingavenue.com. Check out everything that we have going on there, which, as Chris said, is not a ton right now, but we are we are getting ready for whatever this lockout ends. I promise you we'll have lots of good stuff for your eyes and ears about the Mets. But until then, keep checking keep checking in with us. Our, our, our own uh, Dave C. had a good column out last week about just how much this all sucks. And he's right. It all sucks. Um... So do that. Check out the other Amazing Avenue podcast. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Amazing Avenue is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian It's an app. And until next time, let's go Mets.